In case you missed it, this episode is marked explicit. This is your chance to hit pause and come back later. If you don't want my opinion, Episode 7, Rumors and Revelations, by Carl Marking. Are you two lovers? All eyes were on Ray and me, as if everyone were watching a tennis match. Ray stood up. Yes, it's time you all knew, he said as he crossed the room to me. He faced me, blocking me from everyone's view, wrapped his arms around himself so his hands were on his back as if I were holding him, and he pretended to make out with me while he dry-humped my leg. Everyone started laughing and moved on, except Virginia. She looked unconvinced and troubled. I never confronted Dick about going through my desk. Instead, I put my personal things in my car and did my best to avoid the matter. I couldn't stomach conflict or confrontation, and at that point in the semester, and given his recent behavior, I felt anything I did would just make things worse. Though other than physically attacking me, I didn't know how things could get any worse. He made it his mission to tear me down about being a fag and made endless remarks about my queer lover, Ray. Although Dick was making my life a living hell, there was a part of me that felt I had it coming. It was my letter, and I was naive enough to have left it unsecured. But I felt he had no right to trash Ray, who had been pulled into my lies. It put a strain on him as the rumor spread. He was doing his best to be a good sport about it, but he was clearly bothered. It made my writing Ray a letter impossible, as it would confirm Dick had indeed found a letter that I implied didn't exist. I came into the room one afternoon and found Mark lying on the floor on his belly, studying. He was wearing an Oxford shirt, tidy whiteies, and dress socks. His body clearly reflected his commitment to swimming in the cross. Hey, I said as I walked by him, trying my best to avert my eyes. Mark had remained neutral amid the tension between Dick and me. He was pre-law, and I often felt he had the temperament for it. My brother is gay, he said, without looking up. The family is having a hard time, but I'm cool with it. Dick must have been talking to him about me. I sat on my bed, and we kept eye contact with one another for a few seconds. He was showing his support as best he could. People our age at that time didn't have examples to draw from of what it looked like to support someone as they came out. Without another word, he put his stuff away, finished dressing, and left for work. There was another girl in our pack of friends, Violet. She was quite similar to her namesake from the Peanuts characters, right down to her tough demeanor and jet black hair, which she often kept swept up in a bun. She was on the girls' soccer team and only ever wore her uniform or track and field clothes. She also never wore makeup. I assumed the first time I met her that she was a lesbian. Leading up to Thanksgiving, she'd become quiet and withdrawn. The story I made up in my head was that she was also struggling with her sexual identity. I decided to tell her I was gay, so she wouldn't feel alone. When I went to her dorm room one night to tell her, she began telling me how she was being harassed by some of her teammates. She said she'd been struggling with the fact that some of the girls on the team were lesbians. She said they'd been saying lewd things to her, and she'd been hit on more than once. I'm so glad you came over. I have no one to talk to about it, and I always feel like I can tell you anything. You never gossip about people. Oh, I know how to keep a secret, I said. Anyway, that's why I've been so quiet and keeping to myself. 
The whole gay thing makes me uncomfortable. I didn't know if her discomfort came from some inner struggle similar to my own, or if it was based on bias and disdain. I was flattered she felt she could open up to me, but wasn't sure how to respond. I don't want to talk about it, she said. So what's up? You had something you wanted to tell me? I just wanted to tell you to have a nice Thanksgiving. I kept the original intent for my visit to myself and said goodnight. Thanksgiving came and went. I never gave Ray a letter and felt powerless about Dick telling everyone on campus about us being lovers. I was rattled that I had no control over what he was saying about me. Ginger's warning to me to be careful who I told I was gay had become prophetic. Although Dick had never threatened me physically, physical attacks on gay people were not at all uncommon. I believe he had no idea that he had potentially put me in harm's way as the rumor spread. But I knew. Gays were sometimes hunted and beaten with bricks, rocks, bottles, bats, whatever. I was tall, but not strong. And although I knew how to take a beating, I didn't know how to fight. I feared being jumped on campus and was tired of living in fear. I felt as if life was closing in on me, and I couldn't find any open space. The week after Thanksgiving, I saw a therapist for the first time through the counseling center. He was a grad student at the college. That's what you got for free. I didn't know what to expect, but I figured it couldn't be any worse than the doctor I'd seen at psych services before the break. His name was Julio. He was Latino, and so I assumed also Catholic. Once I'd made that association, I was on guard and had little optimism for any discussions about my potential homosexuality. Our first session was mostly an interview of what led me to seek counseling and some of my family background. Although my issues with Dick were what originally led me to seek counseling, things were beyond repair. Given he was so much like my brother, we focused on him. I told Julio what he'd done to me when I was younger, pimping me out and physically abusing me. But I didn't tell him I was struggling with my sexual identity. I was silenced by the assumptions I made as to his being Catholic, what was going on in the world relevant to AIDS, and all the stereotyping society heaped on gay people. I doubted a grad student could help me on any of these fronts. I also didn't want some university medical record stamped with the word homosexual. Susan and Sarah continued to conspire to get Virginia and I together. Even with rumors of Ray and I being lovers, they continued to fuel her hopes that perhaps, under the right circumstances, I would fall for her. Someone devised a scheme that everyone would meet at Virginia's house to go see a ballet production of The Nutcracker Suite at the beginning of December. I'd never seen it, but had always loved the music, so I agreed to go. Just before the show, people began canceling for various reasons, and when I showed up at Virginia's house, it was just the two of us. After the ballet, when I didn't offer her so much as a goodnight kiss, she was deeply hurt, which turned into anger and grew into resentment. Sarah stopped me in the dorms the following week. I don't understand why you don't like Virginia. Is there someone else? Not really, I said, thinking of Michael. Exactly why, then, do you not like her? I've always felt you were a person of great integrity. I didn't understand how my integrity was now tied to my feelings for Virginia, but I left that alone. This again? I'm not interested. She gave me a look of open frustration. I loved Sarah, but her exuberance was sometimes annoying. Someday, I'll tell you all about it. 
I was working up the courage to come out to the core group by the end of the semester. A few days later, Sarah came to my room and said we needed to talk. We went to the music building and found an empty practice room. They were soundproof and an ideal place for private conversation. Before she could begin yet another argument as to why Carl and Virginia should date, I preempted her. The reason Virginia and I won't work is, I'm gay. She said nothing. How's my integrity holding up? I asked. I think this falls in the realm of integrity, she said. I was relieved. Do you plan to tell anyone else? Not at the moment. The only reason I'm telling you is because you're driving this discord. She looked offended. I don't mean you're doing it intentionally, but you and Susan won't let this drop, and it needs to drop. I hoped if you understood why I'm not interested in Virginia. If you knew it had nothing to do with her as a person in any way, then maybe you could move on instead of always trying to push us together. She considered my words. I think you should tell Susan. Why? Her younger brother told her that he thinks he's gay, and she isn't taking it well. It might do her some good to know that her brother isn't alone, or the freak she thinks he is. Or she'll think I'm a freak and lose all respect for me. True. In the end, I decided not to tell Susan I was gay. If her reaction to her own brother's disclosure was to think he was a freak, I didn't see how she'd react positively to someone who wasn't a blood relative. I was attending in-class teacher observations in my home county the last few weeks of the semester. I would come home the night before, then head to the school early the next morning. One such night, before going to bed, I wrote to Paul. It's funny how much a person's life can change from one small event. If I had never tried out for that show, I would have never gotten to know such wonderful people, you, Wendy, and Michael. I wouldn't have housed that for you, and I wouldn't have had the chance to have gotten to know Michael. I really appreciate your friendship. You've made my being gay a bit less painful. I tucked the letter deep inside a pile of other papers and spiral notebooks on the desk in my bedroom and went to bed. The next morning I left for the observation. It was a Friday, and I'd be home for the weekend, so I left my school things in my bedroom. It was also the last weekend before finals, and I needed to cram. When I was a child, my mother would occasionally search my bedroom and go through my things. Things would sometimes vanish. Bottles I'd collected, rocks I'd found, mail I'd received. I never enjoyed a sense of permanence in my home. This behavior stopped after my parents' divorce. I hadn't thought about it in years, but while I was at the observation, the memories kept coming to me. At lunch, I realized I was having one of my feelings. I would often get an instinct for something or someone that almost always proved to be accurate. I knew in my gut that my mother had gone through my things. I knew she had found and read my letter to Paul. I was certain of it. As I drove home that afternoon, I began to get angry. Anger was not a feeling I often allowed myself to experience. I'd push it out of my conscious mind because I was afraid it would overwhelm me, as it did my father and brother. When I entered the house, my mother was standing at the top of the steps up to the living room. I had barely closed the door, and she was on me. So, how long have you thought you were gay? It was an accusation framed as a question. A while now. It was quite a kick in my gut, she said. Because I'd known all day that she'd found my letter, I had time to prepare a response. Well, I said evenly, that's what you get for reading other people's mail. I walked up the staircase toward her. She was stunned by my response and didn't move, so I stepped around her 
went into the kitchen, and put my book bag on the table. At first, I thought it was a letter to your father, she said in her defense. My father, who had disowned me five years ago. My father, with whom I'd had no contact with since my 16th birthday. It was a desperate lie. I held her gaze. Does that give you the right to read a personal letter of mine? It's none of your damn business either way. We were both surprised I'd said that. My anger and exhaustion seemed to be giving me unfamiliar courage. Did you leave it out, hoping I'd read it? Leave it out? That's a stretch. We both know it was mixed in with stacks of papers and notebooks on my desk. You had to search to find that letter. Caught in her second lie, and surprised I had so quickly connected her question to the fact she had to search to find the letter, she went into her bedroom and began getting dressed for work. I also went into my room, changed, grabbed the textbook, and sat on the living room sofa. I was being uncharacteristically bold. She came out of her room and sat in the lazy boy rocker opposite me. So that's it? We're not going to discuss your problem? Just end of discussion? I closed the book, put it on my lap, and made eye contact. What do you want to know? She was caught off guard by my ability to hold my ground. Normally, I would have moved instantly to denial and begged forgiveness for whatever offense she thought I'd committed. Nothing, she spat. I don't want to know anything. She stood up, glared at me, and walked back to her room. I won't accept it if that's what you want, she called out. Then I guess that is the end of the discussion. I called back and focused on my book. She didn't say another word and left for work, slamming the front door behind her. I closed my book and set it on the couch. My heart was racing and my hands were shaking. Later that night, Ray came over as planned. As I had thought, his relationship had been falling apart and finally imploded. They had broken up just after Thanksgiving, and we were going over to the apartment to take her bed back to her parents' house, where she had returned to finish the semester. My mom and I had a major fight earlier, I said as we drove to their apartment. Man, I'm sorry to hear it. Something seems to be in the air, he said. Neither one of us had much to say, and we completed the trip in silence. On the way back, Ray asked, How'd you like to backpack across Canada this August? Seriously? Yeah. You're about the only person on the planet who can tolerate me for an extended period of time. We laughed, because it was true. Anyway, it's something I've always wanted to do before I finish college, he said. Sure, I mean, why not? Let's figure it out and make it happen. Really? Really. Well, all right. We left the mattress on her parents' front porch. Ray and I were months away from turning 21, but he always managed to get liquor. He picked up two six-packs of beer, and we headed back to my house. We put a movie in the VCR, and after a few beers, he asked, What was the fight about? With your mom. I took a long drink from my beer as I thought about the letter I'd started writing him before Thanksgiving. The letter I wanted to give him so he could know the real me, and the way he said I knew him that night he told me about his car accident. The letter Dick had found that made him think Ray and I were lovers. The letter I denied existed. The letter that caused me to take all of my personal things home, which led me to write my letter to Paul in my bedroom rather than at school. The letter in which I thanked Paul for making being gay a bit easier for me. The letter that led to the confrontation with my mother. I took a deep breath, looked at the floor, and said, I think I'm gay. Man, he said, and took a drink. He looked at me, holding my gaze, 
inviting me to continue. I've been struggling with it for a really long time. I'm so tired of trying to be something I'm not. This semester has been unbelievably difficult. The way Susan and Sarah have been shoving Virginia at me. They've asked me why I won't go out with her almost every week this semester. She's nice enough, but why should I ask her out if I don't think there's any future? Why would I pull her into my struggle? He said nothing, and we drank our beers. And Dick did find a letter in my desk. But I don't know where he got the idea you and I were lovers. Well, was it a love letter to me? Not as such. We made eye contact. I started writing it after your car accident. That night you said I was the only one in your life who didn't give you shit for being you and how you felt I really knew you. I felt by not telling you who I was, who I really was, that I was somehow lying to you, and I hate lying, and... And you wanted me to know you too, he said. Yeah. We were quiet for a couple of minutes. Dude, that must have been super gay to a dick like Dick, he said. We laughed. He's been making my life a living hell ever since. We drank. I'm really sorry I got you caught up in my shit. It's been quite the semester, hasn't it? He asked. We clinked our beer bottles. You know who's going to be happy you're single? I asked. Who? Susan. Seriously? Dude, she's had her eyes on you ever since I introduced you. Every time you enter a room, she brightens up and tosses her hair. Hmm. We were quiet for a while, paying no attention to the movie. I kind of like her, he said. Really? You've hidden it well. Dude, I was in a relationship. Oh, yeah, I said. Ray drank twice as fast as me, and we get amped up when he approached being full-on drunk. He started moving around the room, from the sofa, to the love seat to the rocker. He couldn't sit still. Suddenly, he put his beer down and crossed the room to stand in front of me. So if you're gay, I guess I shouldn't do this. And he fell forward, his face an inch from mine, his arms straddling my head as his hands rested on the back of the sofa over my shoulders, and he began dry-humping my knee. Don't mess with fire, I said, and tackled him to the living room floor, and we started wrestling. Hold still, I said. You're like wrestling a greased pig. We were both laughing. You want to see gay? I asked, and went to plant a kiss on his cheek. Just as I was about to do it, he squirmed, and I ended up kissing him on the mouth. It was nothing more than a peck. There was no romantic or sexual intent behind it for me. It was simply how we lined up when my kiss landed. Who's gay now? I asked. You are, he said, laughing, and pushed me off. He got us beers, and we went back to watching the movie and talking about nothing, as he continued to pace around the room. He was supposed to sleep over in my sister's room, but as I got up to go to bed, he said he couldn't sleep in any bed but his own. Dude, you're too drunk to drive an hour back to campus. I've driven drunker than this. Yeah, and you've almost killed yourself doing it, more than once. I'll be fine, he said, and left. As I lay in bed, the room spinning, I thought he'd taken the news better than I expected he would. I hoped he could handle it. We'd already made plans to room together for the spring semester, and now we had Canada to look forward to. The next morning I had to be at Strawbridge's before opening. I kept thinking about the possible fallout from my mother having read my letter to Paul. I wasn't surprised, given our history, just angry that she'd violated my privacy. She had no reason to enter my room, let alone go through my things, and I felt stupid for once again having not taken more precautions. It hadn't occurred to me that I'd need to in my own bedroom. 
By the time I got home from work, she'd left for her shift at the hospital. I decided to head back to campus to study and to avoid any more discord with her. Before I left, needing to stand up for myself, I wrote her a letter. Mom, first of all, if anyone has a right to be angry about something, it's me. You had no business reading that letter, regardless of who you thought it was to. Any pain you feel from reading it, you deserve. Second, I think you're overreacting. I'm not committed to anything. I believe it is a possibility that I am gay. Whether I am or not, I don't know. To me, it isn't important at this point in my life. Right now, all I'm worried about is finishing school and getting a job. If, in the future, I determine I am gay, you'll either accept it or you won't. But let me tell you now, if I am, and you don't accept it, you will drive me away, and I will never make an attempt to reestablish a relationship with this family again. Of this you can be sure. I understand if you are confused and upset and hurt, but this is completely my problem, and you have no say in it. I don't consider it a problem at this point in my life, and wish you wouldn't either. I signed it, Your Son. It was the boldest I'd ever been with my mother. I left the letter on the kitchen table and headed back to campus. Sunday night after dinner, most of the pack got together in Susan and Sarah's room. Virginia ignored me. She and Jonah were both acting weird, and I wondered if he had told her what I'd shared with him over the summer. In fact, Susan and Sarah were also acting weird. Ray was just Ray, drinking and cracking jokes. I guess Jonah let the cat out of the bag, I thought. Finals week began. Ray and I were studying together Monday night. Do you mind if I ask Susan out? He asked. I told you I'm gay. Why would I mind? About that. Are you sure? I mean, until a couple years ago, I didn't know how to be around girls. Then a friend of mine broke it all down for me and it changed everything. I'm pretty sure. Well, you and Susan seem pretty close to me. If I didn't know better, I'd say you two were into each other. We are close, but I'm not into her that way. By the end of the week, they had plans to go on a date just before Christmas. For all Joy's efforts tutoring me, I was too upside down in my calculus class, and the final was irrelevant. I was going to fail the course overall, and given the terms of my scholarship, that didn't bode well. Jonah, Susan, Sarah, and I got together in the dining hall on move-out day for our final lunch of the semester. They were all uncomfortable in some way. Virginia is really upset with you. Sarah said to me. For what? No one could offer a reason, and we ate in awkward silence. When I got back to my room, Dick and Mark had taken their things and gone. I had always imagined I'd make lifelong friendships with my college roommates. I couldn't have been more wrong. I packed up my things and headed home for winter break. Once home and unpacked, I was supposed to head back and help Ray move out of his apartment. He called the house and caught me as I was about to leave. I got a jump on things last night, and I'm just about packed up. Save yourself the trip. Awesome, I said, and we hung up. When I saw my mother, she didn't mention the letter she'd found in my room, or the letter I'd written her. It was as if neither existed, and we slipped easily into coexistent denial for the run-up to Christmas. Given the break was over a month long, I arranged to work 35 hours a week at the department store. All the seasonal roles had been filled, so I took a job as a janitor. 
It was surprisingly relaxing to be in the store before it opened. Vacuuming, cleaning the bathrooms, stocking the sales desks with forms, tissue papers, and paper bags. They had music videos playing on ceiling-mounted TVs throughout the store. I used to love seeing David Bowie and Bing Crosby sing The Little Drummer Boy as a duet. Paul had moved to Virginia after the summer musical. His parents still lived in the area, and the Wednesday before Christmas, he came up for the holiday and was staying at Michael and Howie's. I called over, and Paul answered. I'm surprised you got my message, he said. How do you mean? Aren't you returning my call? No, I didn't know you called. I was calling to see if you wanted to get together while you're here. I called you earlier today to do the same, and your mother answered. How'd that go? She was cool toward me, but given she didn't give you the message, I think you have the answer to your question. So it's going to be like that, I thought. Bray and Susan were having their first date that night, so I called him to wish him good luck. Take it slow, I told him. What do you mean? You can be a bit of a dog, and I don't think she's looking for something that isn't going to go somewhere. Ray had shared many stories with me of his sexual escapades with his ex, and they were sometimes graphic and often involved motels. She's not the motel type. He was quiet for a moment. So we're good, he asked. We're good. Have fun tonight. I wanted their date to go well, just as much as I hoped it would be a flop. Given Susan's reaction to her brother's coming out, I wasn't sure where she was going to land when I did the same. I worried that if they got serious, and she had a problem with my being gay, it would impact Ray and my relationship. Saturday was Christmas Eve, and I still hadn't gotten anyone a gift. This year, my heart wasn't in it. My brother was the same pompous ass as ever, and after a semester of rooming with Dick, a lot of bad memories of times with my brother had resurfaced. My sister had started seeing someone that summer, and I barely recognized her anymore. She was always so resolute in her opinions and behaviors, and now tied herself in knots trying to please this man. And the tension with my mother, though never acknowledged or discussed, was off the scale. My mother happened to mention that she liked a set of Norman Rockwell mugs she'd seen in the catalog of a nearby store. Rockwell was the only artist she admired other than her father. When I went to get them, there were three sets of four, each with different artwork. Not knowing which she'd like, I bought the entire collection, and a wooden wall rack to hold them. Then found emotionally neutral presents for my siblings, and called it a day. My brother was noncommittal about Christmas. He usually blew in for dinner and presents. My sister came down to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas Day with us. I was in my room wrapping presents, and could hear her and my mom talking in the kitchen, which was opposite my door. I finished wrapping and entered the kitchen. My sister was putting something in the fridge, and all I could see was her blonde hair and shoulders. When she closed the door and I could see her body, I was shocked. She'd lost so much weight, too much weight. My family was full of dysfunction, but of everyone in our immediate family, my sister and I were the closest, such as that was. I always saw her, really saw her. Who she was, what she liked, what she was going through, I was easily her biggest fan within the family. As kids, we used to do so much together. Ceramics, Christmas caroling, selling Girl Scout cookies and fruit for the marching band door-to-door, playing in community bands. She was even my protector against my brother and the world at large for a time. The winter after I had refused to blow the kid who approached me at the ice cream truck, 
He approached me again at the local ice skating pond and got rough with me. My sister saw I was in trouble and intervened. Her sixth grade self threatened him with such grit he left the pond in fear of her and never approached me again. We had our ups and downs, but she was the only one in my family with whom I came close to forming a meaningful emotional bond. The abuse she received from our father and brother drove her to isolation at an early age, which weakened that bond. Occasionally, we'd consciously invest energy and effort to restore it, but then there'd be some subsequent interruption, and we'd lose it again. What are you looking at? she asked. You've lost so much weight. Thank you, she beamed. I hadn't offered it as a compliment, but rather a concern. She had not looked this emaciated at Thanksgiving. Are you okay? Of course I am, she snapped and went into the living room. I looked at our mother, a nurse, hoping to find some support for my concern for what was obviously a dramatic and rapid weight loss. Why do you always have to make trouble, my mother said and followed her into the living room. The next morning we opened presents, and the mugs were a surprising hit. She was overjoyed that I'd gotten her the entire set and a display rack. She cried when she finished unwrapping them all. My sister had got me a beautiful handmade heavy wool sweater. The body was charcoal and had random snowflakes throughout, with purple, red, and green accents. It was just my style, and I loved it. My brother arrived in time for dinner. Holiday dinners had become the same show each time we were together since our parents had divorced. He'd drone on with imagined details from a revised history of his youth and education. He and my sister would get into an argument over something or other. He'd try talking positively about our father. We'd all shut him down. Then everyone would retell various traumatizing events Dad had unleashed on one or all of us. Things with Michael had been cooling off. I knew, considering the situation, I shouldn't have expected anything more than sex from our relationship. But I'd gotten my heart involved and had fallen in love with him. I didn't know what I was doing or how to navigate the situation. I caught Ray on the phone a couple days after Christmas. I can't believe how easy it is to be with Susan, he said. We've already been out twice. We stayed out last night till two in the morning, just talking, after we went bowling. That's great, I lied. He and I were supposed to do something that night, and I could tell where this was going. About tonight. Can I get a rain check? I need to take a night off. Sure, no problem. I felt instantly insecure. When Dan and Kathy started dating, he naturally pulled away to spend more time with her. I really missed Dan, and I didn't want to lose another friend to love. And I was afraid the same thing was about to happen with Ray. Are you seeing Michael? No, things are weird between us. I mean, what am I supposed to expect? The guy's in a relationship, and I'm just... Sex, he said. And there's nothing wrong with sex with no attachments. Except I wanted attachments. Are we still going to Violet's New Year's Eve party? I asked. Yeah, I figure you, me, and Susan can ride over together. Sounds good. I lied again and hung up. I was confused by my feelings about Ray and Susan. I was happy, jealous, hurt, scared, and annoyed all at the same time. He took an active interest in my being gay and was doing his best to pivot with my revelation and I wanted him to be happy, but I didn't understand my conflicting emotions. For years I had thought all of my problems would be solved by finally owning up to the truth I'd known since fifth grade when I looked up the word faggot. I thought, if I could only figure this out and come out, all the stress I carried would fall away. I was realizing I was wrong. 
I'd come out to several people at this point, and had even found a guy I trusted with whom I could explore the physical side of being gay, but I didn't feel any better about myself. In the end, Ray, Susan, Jonah, and I carpooled to Violet's house, and everyone did have a blast. About a half hour before midnight, Ray found me. Let's go for a walk, he said. It's below freezing. That's why I have this, and he waved a bottle of Jack Daniels in my face. Violet's neighborhood was quiet and dark, except for the bright half-moon and people's Christmas decorations. Ray walked beside me. He was drunk and put his right hand in the back right pocket of my jeans to support himself as we shuffled down the center of the street. I put my left arm around his shoulders to support him. I'm still doing coke, he said, and took a swig from the bottle and handed it to me. I said nothing, took a drink, and handed it back. I do okay until I'm with my brother, he said. We swapped the bottle again. I could tell he had something to get off his chest and just kept quiet. And the thing that worries me is, I can't stop once I get started. Again, we swapped the bottle. I have to have more and more and more. I thought back to the night he ended up in the hospital and wondered if maybe it was an overdose and not from some stranger having put something in his drink. Had he been out with his brother that night? You're still the only person who has ever fully accepted me. I'm so glad we're friends, he said. I feel the same way. The arm I'd put on his shoulders began to fall asleep. I tried multiple times to put my hand in the back left pocket of his jeans to mirror him, but his leather jacket was just long enough that I couldn't find the opening. I put my arm around his waist instead. Look, I said, I'm not going to judge you. I'm here for you when or if you want to try and work on that. As for our friendship, you're the only guy friend I've told I'm gay who actually tries to take an interest in what that's like for me, and I love you for that. We each took another drink. Let's go back, I said. This is really hitting me. We staggered back to Violet's house, supporting one another along the way. Everyone had gathered around the TV, waiting for the ball to drop in Times Square to mark the start of the new year. Afterward, anyone sober enough to drive left. Some of the core pack from college stayed behind, and Violet dropped the bomb that her parents weren't letting her return to school for the spring semester. There was no explanation as to why. Jonah, Ray, Susan, and I ended up sprawled out on an L-shaped sectional sofa. I was in the crook of the L. Jonah was awake and to my left, on the short end. Susan and Ray were passed out to my right. My belief that my silence about being gay was equivalent to lying, coupled with entirely too much alcohol, loosened my tongue. Jonah, I'm sorry I came out to you in the parking lot this summer. I wanted to share something real and honest about me, and all I did was saddle you with a secret that you've had to carry for me all semester. Once the gates were opened, I couldn't shut up. I told him I'd had a crush on him since we'd met an all-county band. I told him how long I'd been struggling with trying to figure out my sexuality. I told him how Dick had made my life miserable the whole semester. I told him how uncomfortable it was for me that Susan and Sarah kept trying to push Virginia and I together. I completely unburdened myself, then passed out. The next morning on the way home, Ray and Susan announced they were officially dating. I hadn't heard from either of them for a week after we got home. I understood Ray wanted to spend time with his girlfriend, but it came at the cost of the time we spent together. I couldn't reconcile my emotions or wrap my head around my jealousy. 
I knew it was perfectly natural for him to spend time with the girl he was dating, but the timing of it was bound up with my coming out to him and the guilt and shame I carried on that front. It just added to my confusion. I called Jonah a couple of times, but he didn't return my calls, or my mother wasn't giving me his messages. I had no way of telling. I called Violet, same result, although I reasoned she probably hadn't called me back, because if a girl had called me, my mother would have certainly passed that message along. Although I felt Virginia had dug her own hole with the help of Susan and Sarah, I called her too, same result. Given what Violet had shared with me about the soccer team that night in her room, followed by her parents' refusal to let her return for the spring semester, I wondered if maybe she was struggling with her sexual identity after all. Desperate to connect, I wrote her a 1,500-word letter. I shared my own personal confusion around my sexuality, starting with Diane my freshman year of high school, included the happier parts of Pip, a sterilized version of my relationship with Michael, and ended with my drunken disclosure on the sectional sofa at her house on New Year's Eve. I wanted her to know she wasn't alone, if indeed she was struggling. I figured either way it was time to come out to her and mailed the letter. The next day, the Christmas card I had mailed to Virginia was returned with one word written on the front of the envelope in her perfect handwriting. Refused. My heart dropped. Winter break was almost over, and I'd still not heard back from Violet. Virginia had cleanly cut the cord on any communication between us. I hadn't heard from Jonah. I began thinking the only reason I occasionally saw Susan was because she and Ray were dating and we were best friends. I felt completely rejected by the people I thought were my closest friends. Friends who had spent a semester proclaiming their open minds and broad worldviews. I felt rejected, guilty, ashamed, and abandoned. I called Paul to see if I could come see his new place, the last weekend before I had to move into the dorms before the spring semester. It was a five-hour drive, but I needed some distance from my day-to-day and a change of scenery. He rented an apartment from a gay couple who ran a funeral home. It was a lovely place. And despite the fact it was attached to a building centered on death, it had a warm, peaceful energy. I brought him up to speed with everything that happened. Coming out isn't easy, Paul said. I told my parents many years ago, and they still struggle with it. I've lost many friends over it but realized they probably weren't really very good friends in the end. Now I'm very careful about who I tell. I try to be clear as to why I feel I need or want to tell someone, and I make better choices about who I let in, at which point he tousled my hair. This too shall pass, and you'll be the better for it when it does. I trusted Paul and his advice, but more importantly, I appreciated the clearly defined boundaries we had with one another. They allowed me to feel safe in his company. It was a relaxing visit and just what I needed. The next morning, I packed up in preparation for heading home. Let's go into town. I want to show you around before you go. The town had an artist colony vibe. There was a coffee shop, a bakery, several small restaurants, and a restored movie theater. Let's go in here, I said. I want to buy a postcard. Ooh, old school, Paul said and followed me in. I bought a postcard and a stamp. Let's get coffee. I said. While sitting in the small shop, I took out the postcard. Do you have a pen? I get the feeling you're on a mission, Paul said, and handed me a pen from his coat pocket. Dear Virginia, I wrote, it makes no sense for you to refuse my calls and my mail if I don't know why you're upset. Carl. Paul read my note as I wrote it. 
Are you sure you want to send that? I'm sure she can't refuse it. As we walked back to his place, I dropped the postcard in a mailbox. Sarah's parents' house was about halfway between Paul's place and home. I decided to stop in and see if she was there. She came outside and we walked around the property. What's going on with Virginia? She's refusing my calls and my mail. I don't understand why she's taking the fact that I'm not into her so much to heart. I've been clear from the start. I'm sure I can't say, Sarah replied. That was an oddly formal response. Can't or won't. She remained silent. I stopped walking. Why are you being so weird? I asked. She wouldn't look at me and remained silent, then turned to face me. Everyone is upset with you because you made a pass at Ray. I was dumbstruck. Nothing had happened between Ray and me. I didn't even have romantic or sexual feelings for him. But also, Sarah had no reason to make something like this up. I replayed every moment I could recall with Ray, but I couldn't remember doing anything remotely like making a pass at him. Considering Tony and Dan, my passes weren't subtle. If I'd hit on Ray, why couldn't I remember? I can't believe he didn't tell me, I said. He realized you were drunk and was hoping you would either not remember or pretend that you didn't. Didn't what? Make a pass or remember? Remember. I was hit with a wave of shame and embarrassment and felt sick to my stomach. Even though it didn't align to my pattern of behavior or my memories, she had no reason to lie, so I took what she was saying as truth. I remembered wrestling with him the night I came out, but thought nothing of it. Lance from the computer lab used to initiate wrestling with me all the time when we'd hang out, so I assumed it was a normal straight guy thing to do. All I could come up with was wrestling with Ray and him going home hours later to sleep in his own bed. If he thought I hit on him or felt uncomfortable, why would he have stayed so long after the fact? Well, Sarah said, snapping me out of my reverie, did you hit on him? No, at least I don't think so. I had been gaslit my entire life by my parents and brother and found myself struggling to reconcile the truth of events as I knew them against the picture being painted for me of everyone's perception of my behavior. They had applied a sexual overtone to the things I had done innocently. Are you telling me the truth? I was crushed. Sarah thought I may have been lying to her. I'd spent so much energy doing my best to be honest and at a great personal cost. Everyone's silence suddenly made sense. This was why Ray didn't wait for me to move his things out. This was why Violet never responded to my letter. This was why Virginia refused my mail and calls. This was why I hadn't heard from Jonah. The night you told him you were gay, he drove all the way back to campus, drunk, and showed up at our dorm room. He said you'd made a pass at him and described it to us. In detail, she said. I didn't understand what was happening. Why would Ray have said that? There's also what you did to him New Year's Eve, she offered as additional evidence of my crime. New Year's Eve? Was it that I'd put my arm around his waist? It was completely innocent, and he had his own hand in my back pocket at the time. I opened my mouth to defend myself and closed it. I knew in light of the accusations she was making, she wouldn't believe me. I began to shut down, overwhelmed by embarrassment and shame. I said nothing. Susan heard the whole thing, by the way. Your confession, she called it. To Jonah, New Year's Eve. She told me all about it the next day. She thinks you're trying to keep her and Ray apart. She told me you want Ray to spend as much time with you as he does with her. Of course I do. He's my best friend. 
My heart was racing. I couldn't process this attack and didn't understand what was happening. When Susan and Ray began dating, she told me to let her know if she was monopolizing Ray's time. She shared with me that she hated it when her girlfriends would start seeing someone and how it made her feel abandoned when they suddenly had no time for her. She sees you as competition, Sarah said. I realized in that moment that was exactly how I saw Susan, as competition. I'd gone from doing something with Ray most every night to barely seeing him, and I missed him. I didn't know how to respond. If I weren't gay, no one would have thought twice about me wanting to spend time with my best friend. But because I had been slowly coming out to them, intentionally and drunkenly, and because in their eyes I had made multiple passes at Ray, everyone chose to apply a duplicitous filter to my words and actions. Since I carried all the guilt and responsibility for my traumas on my shoulders, since I had no healthy sense of individuality, since I'd always been told what to think and what to believe, my reaction was to begin to believe their version for my motivations over the actual reality of events. Why do you have such a problem with them dating? I don't. I didn't have a problem with them dating. I just missed spending time with Ray. I had finally found a peer who knew I was gay and who still wanted to be an active part of my life and was supportive of me. I was afraid my role in his life was going to be reduced to nothing more than drinking buddy. And just as Susan had shared with me, I was afraid of being abandoned. Clearly, they'd all been talking with one another, spreading their slanted view of what had happened and speculating in a vacuum as to my motivations. I think you should go, Sarah said. I left her house, shaking, tears in my eyes, and headed home. I didn't understand how everything had gotten so twisted. First, I was the bad guy for not asking Virginia out, and now I was the bad guy for making some pass at Ray that I didn't make. I had to set the record straight. I simply couldn't imagine having crossed some line with Ray. When I got home, I called Ray's house, but he wasn't in. It was going to be an awkward return to the dorms next Saturday.